Warning, 30 Screams or Less may contain spoilers about movies that have recently been released. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, come back, and enjoy the show. Or, if you don't want to waste your time watching the movie and rather have two random horror dudes watch it for you, we got you covered as well. Welcome everyone to 30 Screams or Less, a horror movie podcast where we review horror movies in 30 minutes or less and try not to bleed to death. Today's movie we're going to be reviewing is Fear Street Part 1, 1994. It's directed by Lee Janik, written by R.L. Stein, Kyle Killian, and Phil Grazadil. I'm going to go with that. Starring Kiana Madria as Dina, Olivia Scott Welch as Samantha Frazier, and Benjamin Flores Jr. as Josh. Uh, the plot is a circle of children friends accidentally encounter the ancient evil responsible for a series of brutal murders that have plagued their town for over 300 years. Welcome to Shady Side. So for the next three weeks, we're going to review each part of the Fear Street series. So we're going to do 1994, and then there's 78, and then there's the 1666. We're just going to do all three of them, review them all separately, and we're going to fucking get into it in just a second. By the way, that reference at the beginning about bleeding to death is Corey is currently bleeding to death out of his nose. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> We were about to start recording and my nose just started and it was a faucet for some reason. So I was like, Steve, um, don't hit the record button yet. I got to jam a tissue in my nose real quick. So oh, yeah. fitting with the theme of the podcast, uh, horror movies, I'm uh, yeah, I'm just IRL bleeding now. Yep. Fuck it. With that in mind, 30 Screams or Less starts now. Corey, what did you think of Fear Street Part 1, 1994? So um, we didn't have a podcast this week. Uh, well, I mean, you'll be hearing this next week, but we didn't have one the week of the 25th because I was in Belgium. Um, when we were on the plane, I was looking for movies to watch of that I had never seen before. And this was one of them. Um, I said that to Steve and he's like, you've never fucking seen any of these. And I was like, yeah, um, I even have the soundtrack on vinyl. I bought it because I typically buy everything Waxworks makes because they only put good shit on vinyl. Yeah, and I was just uh, like, why the fuck do you have the vinyl and not seen this movie? So yeah. Like, I don't know. But uh, I, I absolutely love this, dude. It's like, it came out last year, right? They nailed, like, that 1994, like, feel. Um, slasher. It was like a perfect slasher movie. Mm-hmm. Dude, like, great. And I'm, and I'm sure this, the second one is, like, more of that because it takes place in Camp Nightwing, I, I, I believe. Yes. Which is what they talk about in the first movie. But mm -hmm. it's crystal lake vibes oh absolutely 100 percent crystal lake vibes it's like uh jason not quite jason uh, yeah got that look a little bit so uh yeah this movie's great uh i when i first saw it i was like oh yeah i'll check it out and then i'm like this is fucking great and then what i loved about this whole series is it's all connected it's like you have to watch the whole entire thing separately in order to really get a full feel of the the movie because it's like it all leads up to a pivotal point at the end. But. Yeah, and I love that. Like they make references to the second movie. And if you watch them in order, you have no idea what they're talking about at the time. Exactly. Like they make the Camp Nightwing references. I only really know about this because I had read about it afterwards. I, I, I'm basing 
you know, our podcast today off notes you took because I was on a fucking airplane when I watched it. Hey, well, that's um, fine. You watched it at least. So it's not I watched like it. And then, I was, it in. and then I was like, Steve, I have this great idea. We should do the next three weeks to cover this trilogy. Um, yeah, I can't wait to watch the other two. Yeah, the other two are great. Uh, they didn't let me down at all. Uh, some people say 1666 is the worst of the three. I'm like, I don't know, because it sets the whole back tone of like how it even started and wraps the whole fucking thing up in a nice bow. That's so does it kind of go backwards? Yes. So basically it goes backwards to go forward. So it kind of goes all the way into the past, into 1666, where the witch was hung, all that stuff. Uh and then finally goes back into 1994, the basically present time, where um, they start unfolding why all this shit is happening and it, like this corruption. And it, it's wild. It's like, holy shit, the whole time. Yeah, like I, I was a bit confused because the opening scene is Maya Hawk, right? And I'm like, right. wow, Maya Hawk's in this? Like, this is going to be cool. I think she died right in the beginning, but now we're going to learn more about it, I'm sure, in the second and third movies. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, we start off with a banger soundtrack. We start off with Nine Inch Nails right away. And I'm like, all right, 1994, we're going to get into some good music here. I mean, they, they were playing Garbage later and and White Zombie and all sorts of shit. I fucking loved it. It was great. Yeah, dude, we they nailed all that stuff we listened to in high school. Mm -hmm, exactly. So, uh, yeah, it starts off uh, actually kind of like Scream or Psycho. Actually, Psycho I just watched recently, by the way, uh, where... You would think Maya's like one of the main characters and she dies so early in this movie. And uh, it's it kind of sets up the whole tone of like, what the hell's happening? So basically, she's working at a bookstore in the mall. Uh, it's late at night. It's like her and her friend uh, Brian is in the mall. Brian works at a place that's, I don't know, kind of like Spencer's, I guess. Like, you know, with the it's got fucking weed paraphernalia and blow up dolls and shit. I don't know. So 100% that's what they were going for. I think so. I think that's about the best way you can describe uh, Spencer's is weed paraphernalia and blow up dolls. Because they got that whole section of like, um, I don't know, adult things where the nipples are photoshopped out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, next time go into his fences, go into the adult section and be like, no shit. They are all photoshopped out. Yeah. You got to keep it PG. Gotta. I so, mean, uh, the fucking dildos on the shelves are, are PG, but. Yeah. No, those are definitely not PG at all. Um, so basically, uh, it's her, she's just in the bookstore and she starts hearing all sorts of noise, shit like that. Uh, she sees a book on the ground. She ends up getting attacked by this mask killer. He's wearing this big fucking, uh, skeleton mask, right? He's wearing the skeleton mask. He's chasing her through the mall. She manages to get away, try to call 911. Doesn't happen because, you know, the killer is basically on her tail. Eventually the killer catches up with her, cuts her stomach. You know, not enough to like, you know, intestines coming out or anything like that, right? But just enough to like some solid amount of blood. So she starts running through the mall, trying to get help. Killer stabs her in the back, mounts her, starts stabbing her in the chest. She gets the mask off and it's her friend, Brian. Her friend, Brian is stabbing her to death. But the thing with Brian is his eyes are basically like black. So he's possessed in some way. And this is when we see kind of like, Okay, so now it's more of a, uh, not an entity. People are getting almost possessed or taken over. Uh, Tooken? Committing Tooken. By the way, I was scrolling through Tubi last night. saw that there was a movie on there called Tooken. <laughs> is it a parody of Taken? Yes, it is. Is it really? I Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, no. I, 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 I thought mean, it was being original. 
Sorry, I meant to send you a screenshot. I did not yet. My phone is, I think, dead. Nope, it's not. I'll send it to you. Okay. So, yeah, they basically get taken. They're all possessed or whatever. They're committing these crimes because the witch. This whole thing's about a witch uh, who basically cursed this town and is taking over select people, and they're committing these crazy murders. <laughs> Uh, side uh, note, I just looked Tooken up on, on IMDb, and the poster the poster is definitely, like, it's a knockoff of Taken, but the top, like, the, the tagline, your franchise is about to be taken. Oh, boy. Uh, that's, like, scary movie. Yeah, that's, like, if Blockbuster was still around, that would definitely be on the shelves. I, technically, there is one Blockbuster. There is one Blockbuster left. Uh, one day, maybe I'll go to it. Who knows? But that's mm. like out in the middle of uh, uh, where is it? Like it's Oregon, Oregon. I don't Where's know. The last blockbuster. Yeah, you did. You just guess Oregon. Yeah, yeah. Bend, Oregon. Oh wow. Okay. I uh, yeah, I nailed it. Then let's uh, hit up the Oregon Trail and uh, get some dysentery. Get some dysentery and uh, rent some. Die. Movies. Yep. That order. Oh, oh. Yeah, I don't know where my Blockbuster card is, though. I can't find it. I, I remember I was using my Blockbuster card as a, a way to lock my room in the basement uh, from the inside and leave. And then I would use that kind of as my key to get into my room. I would I would just constantly pick the lock with uh, my Blockbuster card. Damn. All right. Some ghetto shit right there, right? Yeah, you make use of what you got. Yeah. Hey, um, do the best you can. So she pulls off the mask. It's Brian. And the cops shoot Brian in the head. And this is kind of like the beginning and then you have your all your credits stuff like that and then we meet dina super teen angst at the time listening to garbage uh scribbling in her notebook that she's pissed off about something and now we're starting to meet all the characters her brother downstairs his name is josh uh he's one of the main pivotal characters in this dude uh, josh was my favorite character josh ruled because josh liked video games and heavy metal and that's a friend i want i want that fucking friend he did. He was listening every time, like when he was talking on, uh, what is that, AOL? What the fuck yeah. ever? He was the king of silence or something like that. I think it was the queen of silence. I think it was a lady. No, but what was his name? Oh, uh, oh shit. I can't remember what his name was. But Okay. Anyways, he's like always listening to metal. It's awesome. Yeah. And he's wearing like heavy metal shirts. He's wearing like an Iron Maiden shirt later in the movie and, you know, things like that. At one point, he's playing Castlevania. I'm like, this kid's awesome. Yeah, so, he's like that little asshole from Terrifier 2. Yeah, exactly. Like, with Jonathan? Yeah, fuck him. Oh, uh, yeah, Jonathan's got all sorts of heavy metal posters on the wall, but he doesn't look like he would really listen to heavy metal. It looks like Metal Blade probably just said, hey, can we put a bunch of posters up on the wall for this movie? So the funny thing is, is all the photos I've seen of him doing, like, conventions, he's always wearing a metal shirt. Oh, shit, okay. I was wrong. So maybe the little prick does know metal. Maybe he does. I'll have to go up to him and be like, name X amount of songs from this band. Name me one Iron Maiden song. He's like, uh, Number of the Beast? Run to the Hills? Uh, we yeah. What, what were you going to say for a song? You're just going to spit out another? No, I was going to say we should see if we could get him on the podcast so we can grill him in oh, real time. God, I couldn't imagine grilling him. And I can him. tell him how much I hate him. He'd be like, why? <laughs> why am I on this podcast if you're just going to grill me the whole time? I don't even I know you. I don't even know you. Like in a happy go. No, wrong. In a fuck. What's the name of the movie? Adam Sandler movie. Uh, Billy Madison. Billy Madison. That's right. Billy Madison. Right. You know, his friends spraying a kid with a hose. He was in uh, my town yesterday. 
was he? What, yeah, was, well, well he's actually, from, he is from there. Yeah. Yeah. He was here, I guess, at one of the local like elementary schools, just hanging out with the kids on the basketball court, playing basketball with them. Uh, I wish he was playing dodgeball. That would have been, <laughs> that and, been and way screw. better. Now you're all in big, big trouble. I wish he threw wrenches too, because fuck them kids. Yep. Oh, that's funny. So where are we now? Okay, so we get to the school. This is where we then meet Kate and Simon. They're both hanging out in the girls' bathroom. Dina walks in and, like, is hanging out with them. Dina's all teening still about how her and her ex-girlfriend broke up. And she's trying to get Kate to bring something, I don't know, lame to Samantha, her ex-girlfriend. And Kate's like, just go yourself. We're going tonight to uh, Sunnyvale to this like uh, vigil or whatever. So I, I don't mean, know if you ever watch Trailer Park Boys, but the park they live in is called Sunnyvale. Oh, is it? And I you legit think- thought that's where we were going to get some weird crossover. <laughs> that would be such a weird crossover to have Trailer Park Boys just show up and be like, oh, no, I don't know. Um, that would be funny. Uh, yep. So they're hanging out in the bathroom. Kate's a, apparently a drug dealer, cheerleader, honor student. I don't know, like a trifecta there. So next scene we set up, they're on the bus. They're making their way to Sunnyvale. You see the difference. You see it's definitely like opposite sides of the track, right? So Sunnyvale is like your nice place. And then uh, Shady Side is clearly the more rundown of the two. So Shady Siders go to Sunnyvale, try to have this visual, all the footballers, everything like that. They're all there. Fighting Sue's. Dina's talking to Samantha. Samantha's like, you broke up with me, you dingus. And Dina's like, yeah, but I still love you, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. That kind of deal, right? It's like, you want what you can't have, even though she just moved a half hour away. It is what it is. I don't know. People do stupid shit. So now uh, they're on their way back. So you have Dina in the bus with all the uh, other footballers. And then coming up from behind them is a friggin' like, I don't know, a fancy car. And like the Sunny Veilers were in the car. They're throwing bottles at the bus and, you know, trying to start some shit. Dina ends up throwing a friggin' one of those Gatorade jug things, right? Oh yeah. my God, dude. I was like, what? There were probably had to be several other things on that fucking bus you could have thrown knowing the girl you love is sitting in the <laughs> passenger seat. And they throw a whole, or she gets like, what, distracted or something when she decides she doesn't want to do it? She gets a bloody nose, which is funny because you have a bloody nose. This is perfect. She starts bleeding out of both her nostrils. I only was bleeding out of the right one, so it's not entirely the same. Yeah, no, Um, not entirely the same. I mean, you put in half the effort. Yeah. So she eats this Gatorade thing right out the back of the bus into the windshield of her, this bully's car. And uh, yeah, the car veers off into a ditch. (laughs) Yep. Uh, No one's dead. Everyone's just kind of beat up. But Sam's getting out of the car. She's crawling away from it. And she puts her hand on the ground. She starts seeing some, like, witch imagery, right? She's like, just all sorts of, I don't know, stuff from that happened in the past and kind of these bad images. Turns out that she actually put her hands on the gravesite of the witch. So, like, that's her burial ground, wherever. She put her hands down. Now she's marked by the witch. But she doesn't realize it at the time. Uh, So what we're seeing, though, too, here's another constant we're seeing, because it's important that we know the cop that shot Brian in the head, he was also at the scene. So his name is Sheriff Good. He's not a cop, Sheriff. His name is Sheriff Good. He was at the scene. He was interviewing all 
the people involved. They're all saying the same thing. Oh, it was just an accident, blah, blah, blah. Nothing really happened. Eventually, we get to the next scene where Kate and Simon, they're hanging out. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, Simon got blood on his shirt from Samantha because he was trying to, like, wake her up, and she spit blood up on him. So now we're at Kate's, right, where she's telling these kids to help her sort her drugs, right? Dude, that was so funny. She'd like dump out a bunch of pills and like tell these kids, like, make sure you put four of these in there and four of these in there and five of these in there. And then it wasn't like, and you'll get to stay up a little longer. Yeah. It's like, oh, sweet deal. You know, if I was a kid, I'd be like, all right, sure. If I get to hang out an extra half hour, not go to bed. Hell yeah. It's also hilarious how Simon showed up. But I think it was kate who pointed out to him that he had blood all over his shirt and yeah what did, he said what did he say he's like i just came or i fell or no th- these were the only pair of clothes i had because i had to go and work a you know a night shift or whatever right after so, right and he's clearly got blood all over his white shirt clearly and yeah. that was his excuse of course whatever maybe he wanted to be cool or maybe he's legitimately like i was you know i had to go to work i needed a shirt i wore this so he takes off the shirt He's ready to do laundry with Kate. She's babysitting, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, Kate and Simon start hearing like some shit go down in the living room. And they're thinking it's the uh, Sunnyvalers, right? The Sunnyvalers are there to mess with them a little more. And what we end up seeing is someone that has the same skeleton mask going through the clothes. And he grabs the shirt that Simon was wearing, which now it's like, okay, uh, is it a Sunny Valor? Is it something more supernatural where they're going for the shirt? We find out later that there's a reason why they're going for the bloody shirt. Yeah. So, yeah. And then this point too, like we find out that it was Brian. Not he was just back. yet. We do find out it's Brian. It was Brian the whole time in that mask. Apparently, yeah. Brian was able to come back from the dead because he was marked by the witch to commit the murder earlier for... Um, Maya Rudolph, um, not Maya Rudolph, Maya, uh, what? Uh, not, I said Maya Rudolph. No, I, I don't want her in this movie. I wouldn't watch Absolutely it. not. Nope. No. One out of five dead kids if Maya Rudolph was in this. Negative 10. Negative 10 dead kids. Yep. Um. So all the alive kids, you can't undead them, right? I mean, Unless you can, you can make them extra movie. dead. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's not Maya Rudolph. Maya Hawk. Yes. Heather is her name. So yeah, Heather was murdered at the beginning by Brian. And so this killer has got this skeleton mask on. He's going for the bloody clothes. He's trying to hunt down Samantha. He's trying to kill Samantha because she was marked by the witch. So this killer is going after her in the hospital. Dina shows up to go see how Samantha is doing because she's worried about her after the accident. Um, And she's thinking that Samantha sent her new boyfriend over to mess with the shady siders right so she's there the boyfriend actually ends up getting stabbed so obviously it's not the boyfriend committing this shit and going to the house and messing with their stuff it's literally a killer going after samantha and samantha and dina they're getting the hell out of there um the killer's on pursuit they're able to knock the killer down the mask comes off it's brian but with a bullet in his head so brian's somehow alive and they've established that, okay, uh, he's supposed to be dead, right? He's supposed to be dead. And they go to the cops. Cops don't believe them. Sh- or sheriffs don't believe them because they're not cops. They're sheriffs. So, um, Corey, why don't you take us where we need to go from here? Uh, we're at the police station. What happens next? Hmm. I don't remember. You don't remember? <laughs> Dude, this was like three days ago. 
all right, well, I don't want to talk the whole time. You know, I want to make sure you're in there. Like, otherwise it's like, what the fuck is Steve saying the whole time? He's just rambling. But no, I'm just trying to give a synopsis or like a what's happening, right? A kind of a play-by-play action, if you will. So next we find out like Simon's hanging outside and he sees this girl on the ground and she's kind of just sitting like the witch from friggin' uh, Left 4 Dead. Oh, dude, this. Okay, I, I remember now. This is when he hears her singing. Yes. And he's like, he's like, who was this hot chick? She was she was walking towards me and singing. And then she tried to stab me with a, a straight razor. Yeah, an old timey thing. A straight razor. <laughs> an old timey thing. Yeah. And this is when Josh realizes like, oh, damn. Uh, so Brian was dead and he is trying to kill Samantha. And then you have that girl with the um with the razor blade, Ruby Lane. So we got Ruby Lane with the, the blade. And now Josh is like. I just realized and he goes through and he's just naming all the bad things that happened throughout like the 300 years since this witch was killed. Because obviously, you know, everyone thinks the whole witch thing is a a fairy tale, right? It just doesn't make sense. But there's been mass murder after mass murder after mass murder happening over those years, which is why Katie's side is kind of like run down and beat up and no one really wants to be there. So they start showing all of these killers over the years, one of them being the 1978, you know, the uh, the killer with the bag head, if you will. So that that that's probably my favorite one of the three, because he was basically Jason Voorhees from part two. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, with, a, a with an like axe. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, was- I think he used several different weapons, but. I also liked how they they had all this knowledge about all of these things that have happened the previous 300 years. They knew it all already. Yeah. Josh just so happened to have it readily available right in front of him. Like, well, Josh was Josh was like clearly the nerd where he was in his room all the time, like just listening to music and just reading. That's what he did because he didn't have any friends. Nobody liked him. No one liked him. That was his thing. He would go online, chat. He'd uh and do his true crime shit. And then uh, he had all this wealth of knowledge because he's like, obviously he's into true crime and, you know, serial killings or whatever. So he has all of this stuff in front of him and he's going through all the killers in Shadyside. And I'm just thinking to myself, were R.L. Stein books this violent? So honestly, I don't know any other R.L. Stein books other than Goosebumps, but... I also see that he was a writer of this movie, so I I don't know. I mean, clearly he's got some sort of say in the writing of this movie. He's not going to just sit there and be like, it's a little violent. So he didn't have anything to do with Fear Street Part 2. Oh, he didn't? No, he just did Part 1 and 3. Oh, okay. So he probably just said, uh, yeah, go ahead, go for it. Oh, wait, no, no, sorry. Part 2 as well. So he did all three, but I I don't know if there are any, any books. Yeah, I haven't looked, honestly. I just went off of uh, the Fear Street series. I saw it was uh, R.L. Stein. I'm like, oh, I know that name. It's from my oh, childhood. it was. It was a. It was an entire series. Oh, Called damn. Fear Street. There were 50-something books. Wow, I do not have time to read all that. No. Unless it's like Doctor Who it... style, like where it's really short. So the first one was called New Girl. Okay. Huh. Okay. Well... We'll have to dive into that. Um, I think that's a different podcast, and I don't know if I can read a book a week to freaking have a podcast on that. I'll just do I can't, a book I can't read a book at all unless there's pictures. <laughs> do those have pictures? 
Maybe, maybe I not. don't know. It's probably a chapter book or something. I like uh, comic books. That's like the closest I get or wrestling books is the closest I get to reading now. Wrestling books yeah, biographies and stuff. Oh, that. OK, I'm thinking something think I meant. I don't know. I thought some sort of cartoon wrestling book. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's kind of like those crossover movies you see with uh, Scooby-Doo and John Cena or whatever. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Mm, I don't know, man. So we're okay. <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep. So anyways. So uh Josh tells us the whole lineage, everything that's happening, like everything's violent. Apparently, all these killers are just crazy. Ruby Lane uh killed her boyfriend and like family members with the razor blade. And so now we have two killers. And then what they decided to do is they decided to go back to the witch's burial ground and they're trying to undo what they did for Sam. They just wanted to like undisturb the grave, like, you know, make it nice, whatever, and hope that it would work. Like the witch would be like, oh, okay, you're fine. The place was a mess, but it's good now. Uh, so they do that, but then they see the third killer, Jason, not quite Jason, running out of, <laughs> <laughs> running out of the woods with his bag hat thing, whatever, with his ax. And Josh is like, right in like line of sight of this killer and the killer just runs right past him so josh automatically is just like okay something's up he yeah just I, completely I, went past me so i was watching that and I'm, it's like that moment when you find that the killer is not just there to kill people like he's got a motive because mm -hmm. yep. when he ran past him i was like whoa what is happening i didn't expect that either i expected like josh was toast right josh was just gonna get the axe yeah. right to the neck and head gone dude i was clenching my butthole and he was running towards josh i was like no don't kill the best character because <laughs> he was running with intent man he was like beelining it and josh was Why in the way and he just went right around him right right past him why did that and kid look so familiar i don't know he did have a familiar look to him. Uh, oh, wait, I know why. Because he looked like a bargain store uh, Robert Patterson. Robert yeah. Pattinson. From Twilight or The Batman. Yes. Yes. Oh, now I know why I recognize him. He was why? in. Did you ever watch that show, Your Honor? No, no. Do you is know of it? Is that with Judge Duty? Oh, my God. <laughs> Steve, I need a new co-host. <laughs> uh, no, um, Your Honor was that show with Brian Cranston that ended, like, I believe, earlier this year. Oh, okay. Anyway, no, Karen, I didn't the, watch the, the kid that played Josh was one of the characters from that show. That's why I recommend. I got him. it. All right. Yeah, I didn't see it. Um, so idiot. Now, what yeah, are you doing? I don't know. Working. Okay, fair. So we see this killer with the axe actually swing at Simon, and I'm like, okay, well, why Simon and not Josh? Turns out Simon's wearing that bloody shirt. So this killer, all the killers are going after the blood of Samantha, the one who messed up the witch's grave when she got out of the car from that accident. So now they find out like, okay, we can actually use this to our advantage of getting her blood and using it as a trap. So they get to the school, a weird scene ensues where I guess some sexy time stuff is happening. I don't know, but this <laughs> is sexy time yeah it got a little awkward because i'm watching that on my tablet on the plane yeah that's why all I, kids it's like i didn't um... i didn't dare watch the second one because i was like oh boy i don't want to look like i'm watching porno on an airplane <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so uh they were all getting ready for the big trap that's happening so what they do is they cut uh, Samantha's hand into a bucket of water and they mop blood all over the school to lure the killers into the bathroom, which had a ton of 
like chemicals in it, stuff like that. So all these killers, they come into the school and they're following the trails of blood. So you have your Ruby Lane, uh, Brian, and the other guy with the axe and the uh, burlap sack on the head. So Dude, Sam, Sam really goes through it in this movie. Yeah, she goes the ringer on this one for sure. And she even gets it worse like coming up. Like, we've already gone through 30 minutes, by the way, and we still have a lot to talk about because I love this movie and you love this movie and we can talk yeah. about this a little yeah. bit longer. Yeah. So, um, so at this point... They've, they've shut it off already anyway. So. Oh, yeah. Everyone shut it off. They're, like, they're just like, edit, delete. That's what they did. So, the killers all go to the bathroom, not to pee. They're going after the blood and... Sam's in there because the scent of her blood is drawing them in. So she manages to get out through a vent. They're locked in there and they light the bathroom on fire. The place explodes. They go in. Killers are all disappeared, basically turned into, I don't know, like some Terminator 2 looking mush stuff. And then all of a sudden they start coming back to life real slowly, kind of like in Terminator 2 where, you know, all the pools of liquid metal are connecting kind of like that. Yeah, these dumb kids think they've won at that point. Definitely didn't. Definitely didn't win at all. Nope. So, uh, so now they're in the woodshop area, which automatically we know is a bad idea when it comes to any horror movie because there's way too many weapons in there. But they're trying to figure out what their next step is. Then they find out that there was actually someone that survived the mark of the witch. And the person that survived was the survivor from the 1978 incident, which is Fear Street Part 2. So all of these, like I said, connect so nicely. And that's one of the main reasons why I love this whole thing. So yeah, at this point, they're in the wood shop. Uh, they're trying to get away from the killer. And they're realizing that Samantha's screwed, that they will not stop until she's dead. So she wants to die at that point to save her friends and make sure they're safe. Josh finds out there's a way that maybe we can help save you because someone in 1978 survived. And even though they were marked with the witch, Corey, who was that person? Who was what? The person from 1978, the survivor. Uh, Heather Watkins. Heather Watkins. Okay. So they call up Heather Watkins. The burlap sack killer is trying to smash through the door with an axe. They're trying to call Heather and trying to get her on the phone and see what the hell they can do about this whole situation. But they managed to escape. They all have another plan. And this plan is to go to the supermarket and somehow get into the the pharmacy area where they're going to get all of these drugs with Simon and Kate's vast knowledge, apparently, of drugs that they need to take in order to die properly. It's, it's insane to me that they figured out that, like, that that's what had to happen. Like, you had to die, basically. Yeah, and exactly. come back, come back to life. And what's even crazier is they figure out that, what was it, uh, EpiPens? No, adrenaline which is an epipen isn't it like they have a pulp fiction moment with this stuff oh um, do they all right they have like <laughs> six times the amount of it like fucking the amount you'd probably use to bring back an elephant you know <laughs> they use so much on her so what happened was diamond is like breaking everything down okay you have to take this pile of pills now and then you take this pile of pills x amount of time later and then you take this pile of pills exactly this amount of time later otherwise you're really going to be dead so samantha's taking all these pills the friends all of them have her blood on her shirt to try to like cause a diversion while she's able to die so she's slowly dying all of the killers are now at this point in the supermarket 
and they're all like chasing after the other friends. Dina's with Sam and dude, Kate got annihilated in the supermarket, like big time annihilated. After she comes through with the flamethrower and the hairspray. Yeah. After she, she came through with that. That fucking bread slicer scene. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of cringed with that one. Oh Dude, my God. The practical effects they used on that scene were fucking insane. Yeah. Five out of five kill. Yeah, was- like legit five slices of bread into it. Like, just imagine, was it a bread slicer or was it, it like a deli meat slicer? No, it was a bread slicer because there was like loaves of bread nearby. And okay. Yeah. yeah. So it- they just chopped her head up like a loaf of bread. Yeah, she was just going in the conveyor belt slowly right into the bread slicer and then just brains everywhere. She's toast. Josh sees her dead from afar. And uh, Simon's also with Josh and they're looking like in shock, right? And then all of a sudden, here comes the other kill. Simon gets an axe right in the head. And see you later, Simon. So both of them died in epic fashion. Yeah, that happens so quick where two of the main characters just get legit axed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, it was it was a quick, quick couple deaths there. It was a quick couple deaths. Uh, Josh, luckily, is able to get away. And thank goodness, because Josh is our guy. You know, he's our metalhead friend who we don't want to die. So Dina sees there's a lot of shit still happening. Josh gets jumped on by Brian. Josh is trying to fight off. Dina takes Sam and dunks her head in water and tries to force her to drown. And so Sam dies. All the killers disappear. And now here's where Dina starts to go on a frenzy of adrenaline. I counted six. Was it Me? six EpiPens? Six EpiPens in the chest. Oh my God. I, I I don't even know, man. I wonder if that's physically possible. I don't know. I mean, like if I had six shots of adrenaline in my chest, I think I would be freaking jumping up, do a kip up and freaking flip over a car. So next time you're in New Hampshire, you want to do an experiment? Yeah, we'll take some adrenaline. I'll do a kip up and I'll just uh, <laughs> flip over a house. Give someone a stunner. Yep, exactly. So they're able to bring her back. All is well. Killers are gone. They think all is done. All is good in the world. Unfortunately, Kate and Simon, they're dead. They had to tell this whole story like um, just another shady side type incident. And it has to fit a certain narrative in order to be swept under the rug. The narrative was they were two drug sellers who got killed via this way, whatever. So they were trying to fit some sort of narrative. So now... We're at the scene where it's Dina and Sam. They're hanging out in Dina's bedroom. She's not so teen angst anymore. She's happy. They're both together. They're listening to the Pixies, I think. And yeah, they went from like spending the whole movie or Sam spending the whole movie hating Dina. And now they're uh, they're about to have sexy time again. Exactly. So um, doorbell rings. Um, see, She sees that her brother ordered pizza. It's like, okay, whatever. Now the phone rings. And she picks up the phone and it's Heather, the survivor from 1978. And she's like, you think it's done? It's not done. Then yeah, the scene, sudden, the scene was really cool. This was cool. This is a cool twist because you did seriously think it was all over. And then you see Sam. She's standing there and looking like just like she's been through the ringer. Right. And there's a fly flying around her. And by the way, Brian also had that same fly like just a regular fly flying around him at the beginning of the movie. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh yeah. So um, he was rotten. Yeah. They were both rotten. That's where the fly was from because they were friggin' souls are rotting. So Sam's 
basically her soul's rotting, flies flying around here. We see that she actually stabbed Dina. And so they get in this big ass fight. The brother is downstairs listening to some heavy metal on AOL, talking to his friend, you know, going for going to bat for Simon and Kate. Like the like the good heavy metal friend he is. And Dina comes down, taps the brother on the shoulder. He sees that she's stabbed and she's like, You need to come upstairs. And that's when we see Sam tied up. She's possessed, basically. Did you notice that they wrapped her in a phone cord? That is like the only con of this movie for me, is that this phone cord, it's stretchy. You you wrapped a demon in a phone cord. Yeah, you wrapped a demon in a spiral phone cord, (laughs) which just stretches through like however long you want until it gets pulled out of the wall. So then they're like, we have to talk to Heather. And that's how the movie ends. Movie ends with, you know, white zombie playing. And it's, we know now, okay, this big time set up for the next movie. It's a clear continuation. It's like, it's not like, oh, um, oh, this movie did well. Maybe there will be a sequel. This is a clear indicator. Like you have to watch the next movie in order to, to see what the hell's going on for the whole entire series. So, uh, Corey, what do you give it? What do you give Fear Street part one, 1994? So this this absolutely gets five out of five dead kids for me. I, I thought it was amazing. There wasn't a moment in the movie where I was bored. It's it's right off the bat. It's just shit hitting the fan. Like I said before, like lots of nostalgia. Obviously, this takes place in 1994. They nailed like to the music, even the slasher movies that existed in that time frame. Um, the score was amazing. Like I was saying, I have the vinyl. It's actually three vinyls, one for each movie, of course. Oh, that's awesome. Um, the kills were amazing. And I'm kind of surprised that Netflix hasn't done anything like this since because these were obviously three different movies, but they released them, if I remember correctly, back to back to back, like one week, second week, third week. They came out within three weeks of each other. Yeah, they did. And they were all like, they were people were like ranting about them. And I'm sure Netflix got a ton of viewers. I mean, Netflix is fucking worried about people canceling their subscriptions. It's because they're not doing more shit like this. Exactly. They're too focused on their Stranger Things or whatever. All these movies that they buy up from these production companies that are just, I don't know, garbage. This These movies, however, are amazing writing. It's amazing writing. And it's clear that it's amazing writing because it's R.L. Stein. Arl Stein's been doing this for, I don't know, how long at this point? At least since I was a kid, if not before. Oh, yeah. I used to get to every Goosebumps. Like, my aunt used to work at a bookstore, and every time a new Goosebumps book came out, she would get it for me because, like, as soon as I could read, Goosebumps were my thing. Speaking of Goosebumps, did you see that they're uh, turning that into a, a Disney Plus show? I did see that. I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like now that we have Fear Street with the ultra violence we just got out of that, um, I feel like there needs to be you know a solid amount of horror coming from the Goosebumps. Uh, I don't know, maybe Disney will do it right. Who knows? Scream King is in it though. Justin Long, you got it. That's the Scream King right there. I don't know, man. You don't like him? It's that I don't like him. It's just that I'm not sure about this casting. Okay, fair, <laughs> fair. Um, dudes, same with me. Five out of five. This movie was great. I loved every second of it. I've seen it three times at this point. And each time I'm just like, I'm entertained. There's not a boring scene in this movie. Like I said, the only scene that I thought was comical was the telephone wire wrapped around Sam and it clearly not being a strong wire. But that does not justify taking it down to like a four or whatever, because this whole movie 
in all was great. And the rest of the movies are great as well. I can't wait to review them. I can't wait for you to see them and be like, holy shit, this is all just wrapped up so nicely. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get on that very soon. Yeah, uh, I'll so, never have a couple of hours to kill. Yeah. So easy five out of five for both of us. Thought it was great. Uh, Netflix definitely needs to start doing more stuff like that because that is just smart writing. Smart writing. It's great. Or at least have like R.L. Stein do more stuff for Netflix. Just let him make horror stuff. Oh, man. Absolutely. Imagine oh. Guillermo del Toro and R.L. Stein doing something together. Oh, my God. Make it happen. Because we always do this, man. We always say, oh, yeah, like, watch this happen. Now we got to make this happen. Now we got to make R.L. Stein and Guillermo del Toro fucking make this happen. We have to make this happen. Yeah, we uh, we had a that one has to be manifested. Well, yeah, let's just put it out in the universe now. Let's put it out there. Next week we'll see a news article. Well, maybe because of the strike, but I guess that might be ending soon. So. Oh yeah, I heard that might be ending soon. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we are not part of those uh strikes, unfortunately, because well, we're not part of those. What are they like unions? They're unions. We're not part of them. Yeah, we don't make any money. Yeah, I don't make shit, and apparently they don't either which is unfortunate. And those are the young son heroes of movie industry, the writers, because without the writers, we wouldn't even have a movie to begin with. Nothing would be written. Yeah. So there wouldn't your... have anything to talk about. Exactly. We wouldn't have a single thing to talk about. It would just be people dancing around on screen, not even saying a single thing or just be an ass on the screen. I hope you know um, the reference. An ass on the screen? Just an ass on the screen. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Idiocracy. It's been so long since I've seen that. And now it's funny because all the shit that happened in that movie has come true. I know. It's so weird. Mike Judge is a genius writer, too. That guy is. He is. Something. Did you watch the re reincarnation of Beavis and Butthead? I didn't, actually. How was I, it? I, oh, I didn't watch it either. I don't want to tarnish my memories of the OG Beavis and Butthead. Uh, yeah, that's fair. OG Beavis and Butthead for me was... Uh, you know, back in when MTV was playing Beavis and Butthead and they were still playing music videos, they had to put like a music video in Beavis and Butthead to still basically be MTV music TV. So, uh, you know, they would have those scenes in there where Beavis and Butthead are dancing to the music or talking about how the video sucks or whatever. So that's the Beavis and Butthead I know. And then um, Beavis and Butthead do America, which is great. I haven't watched that in so long. I got to watch that again. It's been I years. thought there was another movie that came out too recently. I think there was. I think it was, um, I don't know if it was a Hulu original, but it was like a streaming original. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see it though. Not yet, at least. Even though I have like basically everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we can wrap it up here. Everyone check out Fear Street Part 1, 2, and 3 on Netflix now. Um, next week. We're going to do part two, 1978. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait to do that. Uh, Corey, can't wait for you to see it. I can't commend it enough. So uh, everyone, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, X, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on all podcast platforms so we can get some more exposure. Of course, tell your friends. We're also a part of the Shining Wizards Network. Be sure to visit ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. They're an awesome podcast network ranging from wrestling to heavy metal, horror, all that stuff. A lot of good stuff. Uh, visit 30 screamsofless.com for all previous episodes and transcripts to go with those episodes. And if there's anything you want us to review, send an email to 30screamsoless at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. And of course, buy our merch, damn it. Um, I forgot to tell you, the guy that got that coffee mug 
arriving at his house in fucking 300 pieces got his yeah. replacement and uh it arrived in perfect shape hell yeah it was kind of funny because he brought it to the office and like you should see people like what does that mean drink beans and they were like <laughs> ask Corey," and i just be like i'm not gonna tell you you gotta listen to the podcast oh that's smart that's smart <laughs> yeah so everyone we have a drink beans mug and you should all get it because i have one it's great and i drink beans out of it i literally have i gotta get myself one yeah get yourself one all right everyone i'm steve and i'm Corey. And thanks for listening to 30 Screams or Less. And of course, don't forget to drink your beans. Now you go to the hospital, dude. Oh, God. (laughs) The podcast canceled this week. I'm bleeding all over my fucking chest right now. Yeah, podcast canceled. Uh, Corey dead. Two weeks in a row, no fucking podcast. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Be like, I don't uh, get nosebleeds, but holy fuck! Wow. Yeah. Um. Due to uh, Corey bleeding to death, uh, we just uh, have to take the week off. Yeah. Holy shit! All right. I think I'm good. All right. Oh wait, there's nope. another wa- another wave. <laughs> what the fuck, man? I must have got some bad coke. I guess so. All right. What are you snorting heroin now? Coke's not doing anything anymore. So I stepped up, man. I'm snorting heroin laced with fentanyl. Perfect.